1: Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. I am Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, is Chris Crawford. Chris, how's it going, bud?
2: I'm doing pretty well. I'll apologize to the the background track of uh, dogs barking. They've been pretty excited all day. It must be a nice day out. So, but we are recording an
1: episode tonight. I mean, it's a yeah, pretty yeah, exciting
2: they- time. It must be. It must be. Yeah, they uh, they must not have heard the terrible news that we'll t- start talking about in just a second. But uh, other than that, doing pretty well.
1: I was barking last night when I watched that replay, but we'll get oh, to that yes, in a sir. real hot minute. But before we get yeah. to that, a friendly reminder that right here on the pod, we are now live five days a week. We have you covered right here all season every Monday through Friday. So join Matt Williams as he wraps up the prior weekend every Monday, while Drew Silva and Janice Scurio power rank all 30 teams every Tuesday. They just had their first episode together yesterday. It's a good one. Meanwhile, Chris and I will continue our Wednesday shows before Chris hosts his own show on Thursdays. And finally recap the week in baseball every Friday right here with DJ and Drew. With so much content, why listen anywhere else? So make sure you hit that subscribe button
2: so you never miss an episode. Chris, you excited for your show tomorrow? I am excited. I've got a real special guest for that we'll talk about at the end of the show, but uh, I am excited. I'm nervous, too. I, I've, I've, I've done uh, many radio hits and maybe, uh, many of these podcasts, but I've always been the guy who is getting the questions. I, I'm excited to actually ask some questions for once. It'll be fun.
1: Uh, We're all excited to see you do it. So make sure you guys are tuning in tomorrow for Chris's debut hosting episode opening day last Thursday. It's been basically a week since by the time we listened to this, we are recording the show on Tuesday night. So anything that happens late Tuesday, we won't know just yet. You guys are listening to this at least uh, earliest on Wednesday morning, but we got everything for the day games and we'll kind of cover you through, which means we're very close to a full week of baseball and a ton to talk about Obviously, Shohei Otani stole the show on Sunday night. The Astros look like they have embraced the villain role and can't stop beating the heck out of the baseball. The Dodgers look exactly like we expect the Dodgers to look like. There's a lot of baseball going on out there, but the biggest story and one that made me stand up and run to a muted TV to find out what happened was the Fernando Tatis injury. We saw his swing Last night, he suffered a left shoulder injury Monday night when he swung and missed a pitch. He immediately fell to the ground. And I'm not a doctor. And, you know, uh, Chris, unless you're doing med school at nights or in the mornings, because we were always, I only see you at night. You ain't a doctor either. Uh, that looked bad. That looked real bad. No part of that looked good. He's been diagnosed with a shoulder sublaxation, uh, which is for layman's terms, like me and Chris. Uh, a partially dislocated shoulder. So still no word on the extent of the injury, but basically from what I've been told, if he does have surgery at some point, an MRI is supposed to come back today. As of this recording, I have not heard any new news yet, but if he does have surgery on his left shoulder, he could be out for months. And for a guy who was universally drafted inside the top six in every single league that he's in, that is a
2: huge blow. It's it'd be it's hard to quantify how much this stinks. It, yeah. it just really does. I mean, even if you don't have Fernando Tatis on your roster, even if for some reason you don't like the Padres, it's really hard for me to imagine that you don't like Fernando Tatis Jr. Because to me, he's everything that's right about the sport. Not only is he an incredible player, he's so fun to watch, and he you can see the the literal joy coming out of him when he plays the baseball game, and. It just—it was such a bummer, and unfortunately, when I saw when I saw that swing, and I heard everybody talking about it before, and then when Alex Paplovic of NBC Sports posted that, the highlight, it, that was hard to watch. That that was almost like an Aaron Ware type situation where it was something that I really didn't want to see the replay of ever again because it clearly he was clearly in a lot of pain, and really. Unfortunately, at this point, we're not talking about if he's going to miss time. We're talking about just how much time he's going to miss because uh, it's, this is not the Karate Kid. Nothing's getting popped back in and he's going to play the next day. That's just not how this works. I I hate it. I, I really – I mean, you've heard the thanks I hate it thing. This is the definition of the thanks I hate it thing. Yeah. And there's nearly no way to really replace a player like Tatis on your roster. I mean – I would be definitely looking at the Jake Cronin going to get more playing time. I think he was going to get playing time anyway. I think he's pretty much solidified himself as that starting second baseman. And if Ha-Sung Kim is available on the waiver wire, yeah, I think you have to take a look because there's a few different categories that he can contribute in. But if you're expecting anybody to provide the type of offensive fireworks that Fernando Tatis can at shortstop, better do the trade route, man, because there's no way you're getting it on the waiver wire.
1: Yeah, if there's one fortunate thing about Tatis going down, and there are very, very few, it is right. that if there was one position that has this kind of depth that you can go out there and look for a trade partner, you can right. go see if there's something else. Like shortstop is that position, maybe that and outfield, just because of the mm-hmm. dearth of outfielders. If there's two positions you can find somewhere, shortstop and outfield sure. are probably the ones. Um, ha Kim, available in 75% of Yahoo League's Look, he's got a nice blend of speed and pop. And if he's playing in a Padres lineup, again, we talk all offseason about getting shares of teams that you like. Again, if if Kim is is your way of getting some shares of that Padres lineup, he's going to be batting in it. And now, assuming that Tatis is out for a couple weeks at minimum, uh, Kim is going to get the first licks to replace him there. So if you are hurting at the shortstop position, he's a guy to go out and grab. Like you said, Cronenworth, he's gonna play second or short. Those two are probably gonna man the middle of the field for the Padres, one way or the other. Both of them should have shortstop eligibility soon enough. Right. They don't right. already in the league. So both of them could be a replacement there. Um and just a just, real bummer, a real bummer, just yeah. knowing that Tatis has been dealing with what feels like shoulder discomfort right. all spring, could not get yeah. that fixed before obviously this
2: happened. Yeah, and just real quick, too, on the Padres lineup, I do think it's worth pointing out, and maybe it's an obvious point. I think you have to downgrade a few of the Padres right now because Mm -hmm. Benny Machado is still going to be an elite third baseman, I think. But the rest of that lineup is good, not great. Uh, Trent Grisham coming back is still a guy that I'm going to like a lot. Hopefully, he's back soon. Um, But I do think, like, you know, Eric Hosmer and. and players of that ilk are are not exactly the middle-of-the-order hitters that you want. So I do think that you do have to downgrade a few of those guys. You were upgrading them because guys like Tatis were going to get on base for you and score a bunch of runs. I do think the Padres lineup takes a little bit of a hit, and it would be something I would be keeping an eye on, especially in like DFS play because I, I, I'm not running out to go get Eric Hosmer if he has – doesn't have Fernando Tatis batting in front of him, and I'm not running out to get Tommy Pham if he doesn't have Fernando Tatis batting in front of him. It, it, it's a bummer, and it may be obvious, but I think it was worth pointing out. I think that's a great point.
1: And Kosmer, I think, was a guy that many people, myself included, were actively targeting in the 10th to 14th round of drafts, knowing full well that right. he was going to be batting cleanup in the middle of a Padres right. lineup with Machado and Tatis in front of him. And now Absolutely. Tatis, at least for... For foreseeable future will not be there. Hosmer. Absolutely. I think gets downgrade a little bit on that front. Then granted he's off to a scorching hot start, but absolutely. not having nearly as much run scoring, uh, run driving in opportunities with Tatis right. not going to be there in front of him. Absolutely. Speaking of shortstop injuries, by the way, quick throw in white Sox shortstop Tim Anderson is on the mend, uh, Tony Larusa said his left quad or calf—I forget which one—he believes the injury will heal quickly and he'll avoid a stint on the IL. Could be back as early as Thursday. So some good news from the shortstop front, as we clean our palate from the just terrible taste that ta- that Tatis swing brought to all of ours. It sucked. It sucked. It really did. All right. So let's move over to something that also still sucks for the to for fans in the DC area. The Nationals finally start their season, but they're doing it with uh, a hodgepodge of a team. Currently, right now, as I'm watching, the Nats walk off. And there you go. As I'm currently, literally, (laughs) screw it. We'll do it live. Nats walk (laughs) off in their home opener, um, which is great. They're going to beat the Braves 6-5. However, they start this game without Josh Bell, without Kyle Schwarber, Patrick Corbin, Brad Hand, Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison, John Lester, Alex Avila, and Jordy Mercer. That's, that's, that's a pretty extensive list of names that, Boy. and Trey Turner was almost part of it on top of that. Yeah. It looked like he got a kind of a final negative that got him to play today. So he was in the lineup. So a lot to discuss here as again, we don't expect these nationals to be around for at the very least, the rest of this week going into next. Right. And, because of the weirdness of COVID, because obviously all of them have either had contact tracing or have tested positive, uh, we just—it's—it's a—it varies from person to person. So this is not exactly something right. that we can say. Oh well, they'll be—they'll be back by Sunday. They could be back right. by Sunday. They could be back the following Sunday. We don't really know. So Chris, if I am an owner of Nationals players, how should I be treating my team with all of these guys who are currently out?
2: I mean, it's really tough to say. It's one of those things where we're all taking the risk this year. There's no real way to um, be prepared for something like this because it could happen to anybody. This is just the way the world works right now. And hopefully, as we all hopefully build to our herd immunity towards the summer or You know, it it seems to change a lot when exactly this is supposed to happen, but you can't assume that it's going to happen this season. And you're going to just have to, unfortunately, it's part of the risks. And one of the things with the Nationals too, is that unfortunately, not only do they have a situation where they have a lot of injured players, they have the worst farm system in baseball. So there is not a lot of talented players that are going to get a chance that I'd be looking to keep up. Um, one of the most interesting to me is Carter Keboom, Um, a guy who really, really struggled in spring training. Unfortunately, I try not to take spring training too seriously, but considering that he has not succeeded in two different stops, it is something to keep in mind, but it's never been a question about talent with Keboom. So uh, if you're looking for somebody who has that third base eligibility, um a, a guy to keep an eye on or a corner infield to replace a Josh Bell, or I assume Kyle Schwarber might have that corner infield eligibility as well. Yeah, some, something to kind of keep an eye on there. But this is just it, – it's really hard to give anybody advice on this other than to say good luck because you really – this is just going to happen. It, it, there, There is no way that we are going to do a good enough job avoiding this or that we have – done a good enough job as a society, unfortunately, avoiding this to say that this isn't going to happen. It's going to happen. And fantasy managers are just going to have to deal with it. And I hate saying that because I'd love to give you some great advice, but I'm not Nostradamus. I'd love to be Nostradamus, but I'm not Nostradamus. I cannot predict what's going to happen.
1: When you look at some of these names, Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, Patrick Corbin, Brad Hand, like I'd say probably those four more gomes or harrison or lester like right. those four in particular you can't do anything you're gonna swallow that pill until you move on i mean if you're Absolutely. in a particularly shallow league maybe you could drop schwarber because maybe there's other outfielders out there but right. outside of that i mean bell corbin and brad hands like you spent draft picks on them like you're right. going to hold on to them for now until someone tells you you can't and right. So those guys are stuck there. The Jan Gomes, the Josh Harrisons, the John Lester's, the Avias, the Mercers, all of them for me can hit the they all were, of them can hit waivers. Yeah. If they were on your team, they were on their your team on a fringy basis, anyways. Yeah. They can hit waivers. You can go get them. If you don't, if someone gets them before they come back, so be it. You can hold on to uh, that.
2: Absolutely. One one name I would mention with hand is to maybe take an eye on Tanner Rainey, Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do with that closer situation, but he certainly has the best stuff of any reliever in that bullpen. So if he does get some saves chances, uh, a guy I would be taking a look at picking up. And even if not, he misses so many bats. You you have to deal with the whip a little bit because he's not necessarily the most consistent strike thrower. But just take a look and see if maybe Daniel Hudson, Tanner Rainey, maybe – as those replacements. But like you said, those, those other guys, they shouldn't have been on your fantasy roster anyway, and you won't be adding them back on when they are cleared. And hopefully they're all cleared very soon.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, especially if you're a DC fan, because I looked at that opening day lineup today and it does not look anything like the lineup. We expect it to look like <laughs> No. <laughs> when, when, no. starts so no. lots to look for there. The Kierboom, I'm, I think one of the names that surprised me the most that wasn't in the opening day lineup was Carter Kierboom. Yeah. What does that mean exactly? We're going to find out over the next few days because the right. Nationals are going to ever, I mean, it seemed like he was going to be, or at least given the third base job to start off the year and prove himself, right. does not get it for opening day. Let's see how that plays out here. But that is a little bit of a red flag for me that even with this team as understaffed as it is, he still couldn't find a way of making the starting lineup.
2: Great point. Yeah. I I, I still big
1: long-term fan, but I don't think you can trust him very much in 2021. Let's go to a trade as (laughs) Rognet Odor heads to the Bronx from the Rangers for Antonio Cabello and Josh Stowers. Rangers are paying the vast remainder of Odor's salary, about $27 million for him to not be on the team anymore. One of my favorite baseball things is when people essentially get paid to not be on the team anymore. Uh, So Yanks are just hoping to try and catch some version of lightning in a bottle. Odor is only 27 years old, and I feel like that gets kind of lost in the mix because he was a starter for the Rangers for as long as they for basically since he came up. But 215, 279, 415 batting line over 474 games since 2017 is gross. That is not a good look. So he's obviously going to a Yankee team that has that is already filled in the infield, he will not be given a lot of opportunities short of injuries, which knock on wood for me, don't occur. But he is a guy who has plenty of pop, who will be going to a pretty nice hitting ballpark here. And I'm usually very much a fan of the change of scenery narrative for anybody who's been struggling over and over on the same team. Odor, I'm not sure I feel that same way about the way I say last week, we talked about Ben Attendi going to Kansas city rather than Boston. Odor, I don't feel the same way about that, but if there ever was a time for Odor to maybe kick back into gear on a team that is a good one, rather than one in the middle of a rebuild, this might be the time.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, a, a few years ago, this guy looked like he was going to be a star. I mean, it, it, and he put up some pretty ridiculous numbers there for a second, but he has been, for lack of a better term, a, a non-competitive player for a couple of years. And you look at these, yes, 2020 is smaller sample size, but you look at these numbers, 10th percentile in exit velocity, 9th percentile and expected on base average, 5th percentile and expected batting average, 8th percentile in Ks, and 7th percentile in walks. So not only is he striking out a ton, you're not getting the added benefit of walks. The only thing he really adds is that, because he has so such a, a launch angle type swing, I mean, he's going to give you some pop. And that's nice to have, you know, from a second baseman. But everything else is not competitive. I mean, th- and this is not just 2020. He really struggled for most of 2019 as well. It, it's too bad because he has that power speed combo. He's still an above average runner, but he's a bad second baseman. And he has just not been offensively reliable at all. You know, unless Odor somehow gets that everyday role as a second baseman, I just, there's just no way I'm rostering him. And it would not shock me, and if this becomes a freezing cold take, so be it, if Rudnett Odor was playing for another organization in two to three weeks. Well, now that draft season is
1: in the books and the regular season is finally live, make sure to sign up for NBC Sports Edge+. Plus. Filled with constantly updating draft guides, rankings, and in-season tools, NBC Sports Edge Plus is a great way to dominate your fantasy league. Best part? Signing up for Edge gets you access to Edge's fantasy football, basketball, and hockey sections as well. And as a reward for our listeners, be sure to use promo code BASES10 to get 10% off any premium subscription package, either monthly or annually, regardless of tier. So to find your Edge make sure you're signing up for NBC sports edge. Plus the promo code again is bases 10 and a very exciting piece of news. The NBC sports edge app is back with a clean new layout and player and team customization. Keep up to date with everything happening around the sport, all in one convenient app.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F 150. Tough this smart, can only be called F 150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. The legends are true. Overwhelming power! Sauce of destiny. Yes!
1: I figured we might as well look at some of the big stories from the opening weekend and kind of play a little, you know, real or mirage here as we look at are some of these productions that we saw over the first week, is this something that we can bank on or is this just a little flash in the pan? And let's start with Sunday's hero. That's not named Shohei Otani. Jared Walsh <laughs> hits two home runs, including a walk-off homer in the ninth. He, was playing outfield today. Obviously played first base all of last year with the exception of, I believe, about two games. He is playing right field today, or I should say on Tuesday. They just finished their game losing to the Astros 4-2 on a Correa home run in the ninth. He did not start, Jared Walsh, did not start the first two games of the year. Gets his start Sunday and made a name for himself in the game where everyone was watching Shohei Otani. Batted it in the two hole on Monday, and on Tuesday, Bat hit fifth in the lineup and played right field. Went two for four with a strikeout. Still looks like he's pretty locked in at the plate. Walsh was a guy who really stepped onto the scene last year and took over that first base gig. However, in a world where where Shohei Otani is a DH and Albert Pujols is still paid pretty heavily to be essentially a platoon DH slash first baseman, Jared Walsh kind of struggling to get playing time the way that he has earned. So the Angels putting him in right field today, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. So I don't know if he made any defensive blunders in it, but I do know that he hit another, he got another two singles. So with Jared Walsh potentially playing a little bit of outfield and potentially getting some outfield eligibility, how does that change your evaluation of him moving forward to the rest of the year?
2: I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt. And I I think real quick, like the Albert Pujols situation, definitely understand him playing opening day. It's it's a record, I believe, for most consecutive opening days played. And one of the all-time great offensive players in this game. But Jared Walsh should be playing ahead of Albert Pujols if we're talking about getting Mike Trout to the postseason. And we're not talking about getting the Angels to the postseason. We're talking about getting Mike Trout to the postseason. That's what we all want. We want to see that dude playing in October. And – Hopefully, this is a way to get him in the lineup. That is not a very well constructed roster, and and to be honest, they're hamstrung by the fact that the the Pujols kind of has him over a barrel a little bit. And and yeah. all due respect, and get your money, Albert, because you deserve it because you have been an all time great player. But you are no longer a major league relevant player, and it stinks. But Um, Jared Walsh is a very good offensive player. He is not a very good defensive player anywhere. I I think we saw he made some pretty big boo-boos in that Sunday night game, which was terrific, by the way. That whole series was just awesome. My favorite series, even though we saw some Benny Hill-esque defense from both teams during that game. But um, Jared Walsh is a guy that I I really, really like long-term. My concern for this year is just how they're going to get him in the lineup. And so he's more of a DFS play to me. But certainly a guy that if you start – I'd like to have him on my bench because if the Angels are serious about competing, and they should be, and if they're serious about getting Mike Trout to the postseason, Jared Walsh is a guy that is going to do that. Albert Pujols is not. So I want him on my bench for when that realization happens. Um, And hopefully you know, – I'm not sure if the outfield thing will work. Got to remember, too, that if Joe Adele is hitting in – the alternate site, that that's probably his position despite his defensive struggles. But holding on to Jared Walsh, cautiously optimistic, but I think he's a much better 2022 play than in 2021.
1: Yeah, once Pujols then leaves the team, which is this is his final year on that 10-year contract, so that will open up that spot a little bit more. You're absolutely right, though. We're looking at a game today, or again, Tuesday. I keep doing that wrong. A game Tuesday where they played – against Zach Greinke, a righty, mm. a slow-throwing slow, p- a slow throwing righty, and Pujols was in the fourth spot, and Walsh was in the fifth. And I don't understand this. I don't understand this whatsoever well. when you're looking at it. I at least appreciate the fact that they are trying to find a way to get Walsh into the lineup, because the biggest sure. issue with him entering this year was just where does he fit? But right. he fits over Albert Pujols against righties in the middle of the order. Like, that's where he right. should be. And the idea that Pujols was batting clean up today, by the way, over four, like yeah. that's not—it's not a good look. It's not a good look, and I, I, I don't. He,
2: understand. Yeah, I, I real quick. I hate that we're kind of you know wetting on Albert Pujols right now because he's one of my all-time favorite players, and I think if Drew and Ryan listen to this, we might have to change our locations because they're going to be so mad at us as longtime Cardinal fans. But it's it's just the reality of the situation and one thing to keep in mind with Walsh Stewart about a long term thing is this is a former part time hitter the, he was doing the two way thing for a little while and he looked like he was going to be that valuable roster addition that was a bench hitter that came in and also was able to get lefties out but clearly he's taking the steps forward on offense so so there's more to come from him it's just i really am concerned about how the playing time is going to work because the Astros have so many, not whatever the opposite of fluid parts is, I do wonder if there's going to be too many cases where Jared Walsh is on the bench for me to trust him as an everyday fantasy player.
1: For the record, if Ryan and Drew want for Pujols on the Cardinals right now for twenty-five yeah. million dollars a year, they can have him. I guarantee <laughs> you, the, I guarantee you, the Angels would happily make that trade right now.
2: I, I might, I might send him a DM and see if he would take that deal. I have a funny <laughs> feeling he wouldn't
1: let's go over to Toronto. And I think one of the biggest names that has come out of this weekend in what we all expected was a tumultuous closer market. Jordan right. uh, has stepped in and got two saves in the opening series against the Yankees. Looked very good. Tup- touched triple digits on a couple pitches there. So two saves and two chances on the year, but Jordan Romano Is has also looked excellent. He was the guy kind of expected to take over the closer job from Kirby Yates once he went down for the year. Julian Mary, Julian Merriweather, the one of the most added players this week. Is that correct though?
2: Is he the closer moving forward and not Jordan Romano? So I think so, but I'm not sure. So, what I think is going to happen, and this is. Just one of the things about with baseball getting better, fantasy getting worse is that I think they realize that Jordan Romano is more valuable, not in that closing role, mm-hmm. that guy that you can bring in in either the sixth, seventh or eighth inning to face the heart of the team's best lineup. Now, I actually think Julian Mayweather has, Merriweather has better stuff than Jordan Romano. I ranked him very high on prospect lists, not to toot my own horn too much, but I will say My two sleepers uh, for the American League last year for for their respective teams were Julian Mayweather and a certain DH for the White Sox right now that we're going to talk about in just a second. He can really pitch. Merriweather has really, really good stuff. It's just he's dealt with some health issues and, you know, he just really hasn't been given that opportunity. You got to remember this, too. Uh, Merriweather was a part of that Cleveland uh, minor league system. And nobody does a better job of developing pitching. With, with all due respect to what Toronto has done with Merriweather, you have to give a lot of credit to Cleveland for what they did here too. He can really pitch. I The only thing is is you do have to wonder if this is going to stick because th- there were some situational things in the last game where uh, the first game it just looked like he weren't saving Romano for a save situation. Uh, So, but then you see it a second time and you kind of wonder, but I do believe that Romano pitched against the best part of the Yankee lineup in that second game as well. So just something to keep in mind. I would definitely want both on my roster. If it was something you could do, it's difficult to do with limited bench spots, but um, I think he could be. And he's definitely, I would definitely be looking to add him if he's still available. It sounds like he's not going to be available because he was so impressive. And, you know, we talk kind of about uh, the Yankee, um, the Yankee tax that you pay. Mm-hmm. You, you get a little bit of a Yankee tax when someone does well against the Yankees, too. They're going they're on TV a lot. They're highlighted a lot. So um, probably you better hurry if you're going to go get him. He may not be available. But long story short. Yeah. Julian Mayweather is legit. Mary weather, Yeah. Meriwether. Meriwether, <laughs> I
1: mean, He's looked really good. I think to your point, as you say there, I'm not a full believer in him sticking long-term as the closer. It just feels right. like Toronto and Charlie Montoya really want to have a Tampa Bay Rays-esque bullpen where Absolutely. it's really going to vibe on a day-to-day basis and be matchup dependent. I don't right. know if you're searching for saves I mean, Merriweather is the guy right now, but Mm -hmm. I'm not spending a billion dollars worth of fab on him. And I'm not, I'm not banking on him being the guy that is going to be 20 saves good by the time the all-star break comes. Like, I just don't, I don't have that belief that Toronto wants that type of player. I think one of the funny things is that Montoya, when Kirby Yates went down, basically said like, we're not naming a closer. And then all the rest of us were like, Romano's the closer. And then we all went and drafted him. And Montoya's like, no, we didn't name a closer. Merriweather gets the first two saves. And now everyone's running to go grab Merriweather. So I think this is just going to be a super fluid bullpen out there in Toronto. I'm not running to go get Merriweather. If somebody else wants to spend a third of their fab to go grab him, I'm okay with that. I think there are plenty of saves to be found elsewhere than going all in on one guy who I feel I don't feel great about the the sturdiness of the floor that
2: he's standing on. No, that's that's fair. There's there are no guarantees here. And I will say if you've got Romano, still hold on to him because he's gonna miss yeah. bats. He's gonna post a low whip. He's gonna be a guy who helps an ERA. Um you just have to be cognizant of the fact that this is not the Jake McGee situation where San Francisco has not named Jake McGee the closer, but Jake McGee is the closer. Yeah. The, the Toronto is not named a closer. I cannot guarantee you that Julian Merriweather is the closer yet. Let's flop over to maybe the best name to come out of
1: this weekend. Yerman Mercedes. I mean, just welcome to the show, kid. Man. He is so far, including uh, through Monday, because he has not played yet on Tuesday. He is 12 for 18 on the year, which math geeks out there, that is a 667 batting average with a home run, six ribbies, three doubles, and a walk. He went historic five for five in his debut. I mean, he's looked awesome, and he's been probably the best story outside of Shohei Otani so far this season, but he's a 28-year-old journeyman catcher who is finally making his debut as a 28-year-old rookie. There's a reason for that. So I ask you here, Chris, as, again, one of the most added players in Yahoo Leagues over the weekend – Is Yerman Mercedes a top 10 catcher for the rest
2: of the season? Ooh, that's close. And you do have to keep in mind that right now, I do believe Yahoo is just listing him at utility. Um, I think he should be able to gain that eligibility as we go deeper. But Mercedes was the other guy that I was talking about. And yes, this is kind of coming out of nowhere because a lot of people hadn't heard of him. But this was a guy that I listed as a sleeper prospect last year because I'm in love with the hit tool. And, and there's power there as well. And, yeah, no, he is not going to hit 667 because no one is ever going to hit 667. High school baseball players sometimes don't hit 667. It is impossible. But this is not smoking mirrors. This guy is near the top of expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, weighted on base average, expected weighted of bond. Uh, base average, and then everybody's favorite, XWO Bacon, he's right at that top at 629. To he can really hit. Now, this is a guy who's changed organizations a whole bunch, but it's not because uh, they had questions about whether he could hit. It was questions about what he was going to do defensively because he is not a very good catcher. He is a below average athlete compared to other major league players. Certainly a better athlete than I. Maybe not as good of athlete as Colin, but uh, certainly a better athlete than the majority of folks that we will talk to. But he can really swing the bat. And if, you, if you've if you watched him play, this is not Dinks and Ducks. He is crushing the baseball. I mean, hitting the ball super-duper hard. I got a chance to watch him against Justice Sheffield last night. He just blistered a ball to the wall. I, I understand the concerns, and I do wonder what's going to happen with this lineup because, you know, Andrew Vaughn's going to take some plate appearances, I think, at DH because I think that's – the best thing for their roster. And Zach Collins, I think, is another guy that they want to get involved. But Man, ride the hot wave. There there is a legitimate reason why this guy is hitting fifth tonight in their lineup and has been hitting fifth or sixth in a couple other games as well. He can really, really hit. And I totally understand the concerns long-term, and I totally understand being – afraid of this being a, a Chris Shelton situation, you know, where he, a guy is hot for a couple of weeks and then goes away. I really don't think that's what we're seeing here. If he gets the chance to play, I think he's capable of monster numbers. I'm glad that you're optimistic because I
1: want to be that optimistic. I just, I, I can't, I can't get it's myself hard. to get there. I can't give a, it's hard. I, when we look at, uh, I was just on ESPN before I was on this. He was up 65%. Wow. His added rate since then, and would it shock me that in two weeks that number is chopped in half? Like, I mean, like it's a he's now owned in thirty percent of leagues and has dropped right. heavily. That wouldn't shock me. I agree with you. Go ride the hot streak right now, dude's locked in, and he's hitting in the middle of the lineup for a really good offensive team. Go ahead, lock him in. Go do your thing, but don't. I would not be sitting here banking that come June, July, that he's still, say, my starting catcher or my starting utility player, depending on right. where he is in that spot. I I believe in everything that he's done so far, but there's a reason why you're a 28-year-old journeyman catcher to get to where you are here, and that means there's something there. And again, I have not got a chance to watch a whole lot of his minor league tape, so I, can't, <laughs> I can only talk on what I've seen here, but I, I, I've loved what I've seen. I'm not banking on it in granite. Like this feels like something that is a great flash in the pan, ride it while you can, but I'd be, uh, I'd be expecting someone else to be probably my starting catcher or my starting DH in two months.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised by that either. I mean, this is not an elite prospect by any terms, but I will say too, like in the minor leagues, this guy hit, it was just Mm -hmm. a question about, The positional fit he hit 302 366 491 in 617 minor league games now keep in mind 617 minor league games means that you are playing a lot for organizations that are not giving you a shot but let's also remember this that one of the farm systems that he was in was baltimore and baltimore at that time probably had the worst player development system in baseball and probably the worst judge of talents that over the past I don't know, ever, Um, because there's a reason why Baltimore is going to suck for a very long time. And it's because they didn't have what they have currently in terms of player development and making decisions. Just something to keep in mind. But this is also Baltimore wasn't his first organization either. So Washington had him, didn't like what they saw behind the plate. There is risk with Mercedes. There is no questioning that there is that but there's an awful lot of reward in that bat. And it would not, I also love that White Sox lineup, getting to hit behind a guy, like hopefully Tim Anderson is back soon, but even without him getting to hit behind Moncada, getting to hit behind Jose Abreu, uh, Nick Madrigal, you know, hopefully he can start showing a little more offensive potential. But um, yeah, I definitely get the risk and I'll be honest with you too. I just want to see it because it's such a fun story. It's so fun to see a 28 year old Mm-hmm. Finally get a chance to hit and, and I'm telling you, this is not luck. It, it is luck to hit 667, but it is not luck to have those kind of hard hit percentage either. The dude can swing the bat. And I, I wish I wish you could I wish you could be as excited as I am, Colin. But I totally I, understand this is one of those totally where I
1: understand. genuinely hope that I'm wrong because I yeah, love sure. I love the guy. I mean, even yeah. Tim talk after the game, it's like I love the guy. Like, yeah. But if you're looking at this from a strictly, like, I want to win a fantasy Pragmatic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, let's play a little name game here. As we had three excellent debuts by players drafted after the 17th round. Um, Starters, I should say, drafted after the 17th round. Or not drafted at all in one case. All of them had phenomenal debuts on Monday. Let's talk about them. Dustin May, Jordan Montgomery, and Carlos Rodon. All three of them absolutely stellar in their debuts may six innings zero earned two hits two walks eight strikeouts there's the strikeouts that we were talking about with justin with dustin may that we needed Jordan right. montgomery just put baltimore who beat the heck out of red sox pitching completely yeah. shut that off six innings four hits no walks seven strikeouts and rodan five innings two hits, three walks, nine Ks against Seattle, former number three overall pick. So we know the pedigree is there. All three of them are great. If you got any one of them, and by the way, Rodon is still available in about 70% of Yahoo leagues. So if you need any pitching, go out and get him now. But all three of them deserve to be on rosters. All three of them, very good pitchers. But if, let me ask you this, if you could have the choice of all three of them, which one of them is the best rest of season?
2: I'll go May, if only because he's going to be playing behind the Dodgers. And I think that um, he's going to have more of a cushion, I think, than maybe we thought than the last time we talked. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, David Price does not look ready. He's really struggled in his two appearances, and Tony Gonsolin is on the injured list. So I think Dustin May has a little bit more of a shelf, uh, a little bit more leeway than we expected. Uh, and his ability to miss bats is kind of underrated. I mean, I understand that he really struggled with the whiff percentage. I think that was just fluky. I, I really do. I, I just the, – the stuff is too good, and I see enough. There are there are pitchers that you watch with really good stuff but also have uh, an easily timed delivery. I don't think Dustin May does, especially – now, he could incorporate more – People call him Waluigi for a reason. Like, he is gangly. There, He should be all elbows throwing out there. So so there's there's added work you could do to that, I suppose. But I'm talking, I want to talk about Rodon real quick because I watched that start last night, and it was really impressive. And the big thing for me was we saw him towards the end of the year struggle, but he was hitting 97, 98 with that fastball. He was doing the same thing last night. And if he's 97, 98 with that slider, good luck. The only thing I would caution there is even in this start, which was dominant, came against a Mariner lineup that is just not very good right now without uh, without Kyle Lewis in it. I, I, I think we're kind of seeing how underrated Kyle Lewis might be because that lineup right now is really struggling to make hard contact. Um, but you also saw some walk issues. And, and that's the thing is that Carlos Rodon, even when he was – and I'll say this too. Carlos Rodon was – the best college pitcher that I've ever personally scouted. I saw Steven Strasburg pitch really, really well, but I wasn't, I, I was like 19 or something like that when I was watching him. I, I didn't know what the heck I was talking about. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about now, but I have a better idea. And Carlos Rodon was considered to be that next Strasburg thing. And he, it just hasn't worked out because he just hasn't been able to locate his stuff. And he's also dealt with injuries, but in terms of talent, Carlos Rodon is a, Big notch above those two names that we just talked about. And real quick on Montgomery, he he's certainly an underrated fantasy guy to me because playing for the Yankees helps. Uh, That lineup's going to give him plenty of chances for wins. Uh, Just between those three, he's the one that I can't rely on the most to miss bats. And for fantasy, that's important. You need you need that help with the strikeouts, Mike. He's Jordan Montgomery is not a guy who is, uh, like, throwing knuckleballs up there, and you're hoping that his defense helps. But he doesn't have the bat-missing ability, in my opinion, of May and uh, Rodon. So I would go May, Rodon, Montgomery, but all three of those guys really impressed.
1: Yeah, they all really impressed. And for me, I'd probably go May 1 as well just because, again, you and I spoke here I think last week when we said the only knock on May is just that he doesn't have the strikeout numbers that you want to see – and you right. love seeing eight strikeouts against Oakland. Like that's oh, that's for sure. excellent numbers. Uh, Montgomery yeah. his off his off speed stuff looked phenomenal against the Baltimore. Again, it's against Baltimore, so we put a mini asterisk next to it. But we I mean, really don't know what
2: we're getting from Baltimore. Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So he shut down that lineup, though, and you really love the no walks in this conversation. Whereas Rodon still three walks in that, in those five innings pitch, like that was always a bit of a knock on his game is that he is not always the most accurate guy out there. Uh, So we just want to see that number get down a little bit, but you love the nine strikeouts from him. I'll say may Montgomery Rodon in mind. But again, like you said, all three of them need to be rostered. All three of them look really good moving forward. All three of them on good teams
2: that should be able to get you wins.
1: Right. And real quick,
2: uh, b- before we head out, I will say, too, the other thing to keep in mind with with Jordan Montgomery, they do have Davey Garcia waiting in the wing. So yes. if there are struggles there, that's something that could happen. With Carlos Rodon, you know, Michael Kopech has just looked sensational in the bullpen, a, a guy that maybe we can talk about a, a little. Oh, I-, I almost spoiled it. Maybe uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Michael Kopech at some point. But he's a guy that could it, take that starting rotation spot maybe – With Dustin May, with Price struggling and with Gonsolin on the shelf and the way he looked, he's the most locked in. And that's so weird to be saying because that was the one thing that we were worried about other than the the whiff percentage stuff is that the Dodgers have so much depth in their starters, how short this leash is going to be. But David Price looks bad right now. I mean, it's only two appearances, but he looked bad. That is definitely something – if Dustin May is still available, I'd be looking to add him right now. All right,
1: let's get through two more quick real or mirages here before we hop out. Uh, let's talk about Byron Buxton because we have to. I mean, we all. Yes. he hit another home run on Tuesday, his third home run in eight at-bats across three games. Came in as a defensive replacement on Tuesday because he's been feeling ill for the last couple of days. Not COVID related needs to be said at this point, but three home runs and eight at bats batting and even 400 to start the year. Is this, I mean, the question is, and I'll put it to you very simply. Is this finally the year that all of us have been waiting for Byron Buxton to be that elite hitter?
2: Yeah, I think it is. And I'll just say this. If you ask me this question in 2022, I'm going to give you the same answer because (laughs) he is, and if we're, if we have to do in 2023, 2024, 3,875, I'm always going to believe in Byron Buxton. He is an elite talent and uh, it's just been a matter of whether he can stay healthy and, you know, sickness starting out stinks and, you know, you Luckily, it wasn't COVID-related, and you know he appeared in the game today. Or, uh, excuse me, he appeared in the game on Tuesday. So that's uh, nice to see, you know. But um, you you always have to be cognizant of injuries with every player, but especially Byron Buxton right now. But he is as talented as any major league baseball player, not named Ronald Acuna and not named Michael Trout. He has that kind of talent. So as long as he's healthy, and still very young, still very very young. He, he can he can be a, an absolutely elite fantasy baseball player.
1: I'm with you. I I've been on the Byron Buxton train for a long time, and I'm sure. I'm gonna get to, I'm, I'm taking it to the destination, whether it's good or bad. I'm taking it to that yeah. destination, and Don't blame you. you absolutely love seeing what he has started off for. One of the biggest issues with Buxton is that he has been a slow starter and a very right. good finisher. He, that's where right. we've all gotten that taste is in the August September months, where all of a sudden you're like, whoa. He's putting up those numbers. We need to carry that over to next year. And then he hasn't started off the seasons well this year. I mean, again, health, illness aside, he's looked excellent at the play. He's locked in. So, yeah, give it to me. I mean, again, I'm willing to lose this bet every year, but I'm on the the train and I'm taking it to the finish
2: line. 100%. All
1: right. And let's end with outside of Mercedes probably the my favorite new name to come out from this week, Akil Badu. I just yeah. want I, I just want to be in a stands and just yell Badu to everyone as he uh
2: <laughs> as he hits. Yeah.
1: He hit a walk-off single in the 10th inning on Tuesday against Minnesota. He made his debut on Sunday with a homer off of the first pitch thrown to him. He hit a grand slam on Monday in a blowout loss to the Twins. He's 22 years old. Oddly enough, a rule five pick from the Twins. Right. And he's, I mean, he's looked excellent so far. However, he's never played above high A ball before this year. And he was a career 249 hitter in four minor league seasons. Look, I'll ask you, Chris, straight up does Akil Badu need to be rostered in standard mixed leagues right now?
2: I wish the answer was yes, but I don't think so. And I think one of the reasons is is I don't think he's going to get a ton of playing time for the reasons that you just talked about. Awesome story. And seeing his parents in the stands, yeah like it was awesome to see. There were two stories about people in stands. One of them infuriated me in Texas, and one of them made me super excited in Detroit. Or Detroit. Because to see his parents be able to see him do that, I mean, that's baseball. That is what makes... I Me mean, so happy and why I love this game, but we also have to be a little realistic here about the fact that he hasn't played above A. This is more of a athleticism over realized talent. Certainly a guy I'd be looking at in dynasty formats and keeper formats because you know is a relatively high draft pick, a guy that Minnesota liked quite a bit. Um, just hasn't quite put it together. But you you the eye test matters here too, and he's looked good. I mean, it's been a very Very small sample, and I'm certainly rooting for him, but I think I would need to see him actually doing this in a starting role and for a better baseball team to be too excited because I just don't think Detroit is going to provide much run production, but a name to keep an eye on for 2022-2023, and very fun story.
1: Yeah, a real catch-22 because by both being on Detroit, he gets all of the the freedom to actually be a member of a major league franchise and be in the starting lineup. But also there's not a whole lot of talents around him in that lineup for him to, you know, get any type of benefit. So yeah, a real catch 22 there. Love the story. Loved watching his parents lose their mind over that first pitch home run. But for me, I'm holding out for a little bit longer. He needs to show me something more than he has right right now on a more consistent basis. Outfield is pretty deep. And yeah sure if you have if you if you play in a league with 3 outfielders he's not even a conversation for me. No, absolutely. You have not. to be in a league with 5 outfielders for him to even be broaching the topic and even then I still think there's better outfielders out there with longer track records now for me to go on than Badu with 4 games of experience under his belt. Great yeah. story, but I'm not running to that right now. Talk to me in a week and he's still doing everything sure. that he's doing, we can have another conversation. But Yeah, better options out there
2: but again awesome story yeah
1: well that is our show for today as always thanks everyone for the listen if you like what you're hearing make sure you are subscribed to circling the bases wherever you listen to your podcasts and if you listen on apple podcasts please be sure to rate and review us you can follow me on twitter and instagram at call don't lie and you can follow chris at crawford underscore m-i-l-b be sure to tune back in tomorrow as Chris debuts his new Thursday show with special guest, uh, me. Oh, fun fact. Yeah. So a little Freaky Friday body swap on right here on Thursday morning, so make sure you guys don't miss it. The tables are turning. The tables are turning, so make sure you guys yeah. tune in for that. So until tomorrow, stay safe out there and enjoy some baseball.
2: Love you, Dawson